0: Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and
1: now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that continues to celebrate the men and women of coastal Mississippi. We're working to make this a better place to live, work in place. And today we're going to have the focus back on Mississippi again. We're going to circle back and have another conversation about conservation efforts that are happening in this state currently. But I wanted to share a couple of things with you real quick. Um, Nancy Newell once said this, conservation is humanity caring about the future. When we talk about conservation, we're really talking about making sure that we are doing something for our kids and our kids' kids. I've always been a big fan of Aldo uh, Leopold. Uh, Most people know him as the sort of the father of the wilderness system in the United States. I mean, he's the father of wildlife ecology. He's uh, written. he's a philosopher, he's a forester, he's um, an outdoor enthusiast, or was, I might say. And he said this, and I think it really fits to the conversation today. Conversation is a state of harmony between men and land. Now, you don't have to tell people in coastal Mississippi that that's true because we've seen it over and over again, whether it was the BP oil spill, the Bonnie Carey spillway opening, and the algae bloom. We live in a delicate place here in coastal Mississippi. Frankly, we live in a delicate place along, all across the state of, of Mississippi. And you know the future of this state in so many ways is tied to how we conserve the natural resources of our state. Our economy is based on it. Uh, you can certainly say that about the that's the case here in coastal Mississippi and you can say that across the state when you look at the amount of the billions of dollars that is being put into this to this uh, uh the economy of of Mississippi through farming or through outdoor spending it's it's truly remarkable amount of money you understand it's an it's an economy all by itself now I had Alex Littlejohn from the Nature Conservancy and Ed Penny from the duck from Ducks Unlimited on last week. And we talked a lot about a bill that's underway at the legislature as we, as we speak, we we talked about this last week. I wanted to bring them both back on today. So without any further ado, let me say good morning to Alex uh, Littlejohn and to Ed Penny and say, good morning. How are you guys doing?
2: Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here again. Great again. to see you again.
1: So why don't we do this? There's, there's some, there's some recent activity here, the last we talked, I think the, the Lieutenant Governor, devil Hoseman, had triple-referred a bill. Now, look, triple-referred a bill is really, really rare. <laughs> and they, there may be a, you know one time in history where a triple-referred bill actually made it out. What, when you say triple-referred, you're essentially assigning the bill to three separate committees, and you are dooming that bill to death. Now, the good news is the triple-referred bill, that we're going to remind people what it is here in just a second, Made it out of the Senate. So we, now we've got something to talk about and debate, which is, you know, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. That's the latest. There's more to talk about, but why don't we start from the beginning? Well, Ed, why don't you kind of give us a quick review of what the bill is, what it does, why it's important, and then we'll let Alex kind of fill in some of the spaces.
2: Great. Well, thank you. And it seems like a longer, longer time since we last spoke, but a lot has happened over the last several days. And really what House Bill 1231 does, and we're calling it the Mississippi Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund. Uh, This bill creates a special trust fund uh, and directs a certain percentage of the sales tax on sporting goods, hunting equipment, outdoor equipment to on-the-ground conservation work in the state of Mississippi. So the folks who are buying the equipment that, that they use to enjoy the outdoors will be able to contribute the natural resources that they get to enjoy, uh, you know, groups like Ducks Unlimited, groups like the Nature Conservancy, Wildlife Mississippi, Delta Wildlife, Delta Council, and many, many others in the industry are all coming together to support this effort.
1: So, uh, What would you add to that, Alex? Yeah, I would just
2: add that
0: it does not create a new tax. It is an allocation of existing funds. And frankly, it's an investment in Mississippi's greatest asset, and that's our natural resources and puts Mississippi at the forefront or at the table that we currently do not sit in a manner to be able to leverage the tremendous and historic amount of federal funding for conservation that's available to us to pursue.
1: Yeah, when I wrote the column about this, I did my research, certainly uh, the, the conversation that we had. Helped inform me even even more significantly, but when you look at how, as you pointed out, there are only two states in the southeast that do not have such a fund. So what it means is that the other states have a fund and they're leveraging, as you just pointed out, Alex, the these incredible number of dollars, billions of dollars that are available to us uh, on the national level, whether it be through Clean Water Act, it could be you know f- f- through the farmer farmer Is it the Farming Act? Is that right, the Farming Act? Farm Bill. Farm- Farm bill. Farm bill. Right. Yes. Thank you. And uh, and so uh, states like Georgia were able to take like 20 million dollars and, and make it 100 million dollars. What you could do if we had, any, let's say if we could take the 15 million that we would have in Mississippi, it would max out at about at 15 million in three years. If we could turn that 15 million into 70 or 80 million, what could we do with that kind of money?
2: It's tremendous. It's tremendous to think about what we could do. Uh, You know, Ducks Unlimited does a lot of work in Mississippi, and a lot of people have talked about it, but we and our partners can do so much more with MDWFP to provide more waterfowl hunting uh, opportunities, for example. TNC can provide more, more land and better land for us all to enjoy. We could be making cleaner water through our work on private lands through the Farm Bill and other things. So... Uh, the potential is tremendous, and we could go on for hours to talk about the type of projects that we could do. But the important thing to remember is this work would happen in the state of Mississippi and benefit all Mississippians.
1: Alex, what would you add to that?
2: I would also add that
0: it moves us from a opportunistic con- conservation opportunity to a more strategic conversation. We start to have a more long-term approach because you can begin to plan, which is what it takes to really start to snowball the federal funds down to Mississippi. And it is a clear line of sight for the impacts we know we can make with this level of funding at that scale.
1: You're lucky, too, that you've got, first of all, as you pointed out, when all these organizations come together, you have extraordinarily well, first of all, powerful people, but also people who are deeply concerned about conservation in this state. So the network that all of these organizations bring together in terms of, you know, volunteerism and in terms of political power is very significant. Um, but you get in a group, let's say, for example, Wildlife Mississippi, James Cummings, who's actually going to be on my show next Monday. Um, you get like James from from Wildlife Mississippi is like the foremost um expert on uh, conservation practices and i've read his white paper and uh, read specifically the chapter that he wrote about private lands and why it was important for private lands to be part of the conversation and that's actually one of the areas where the lieutenant governor had issues he didn't think that any conservation money should be spent on private land and uh, after reading what james has to write about it it would we would not be serious about conservation in mississippi if we excluded 90% of the land from the conversation, would we?
2: That's exactly right. And, and to even even go further, I mean, Mississippi is somewhere between 80 and 90% privately owned. If we cannot do our work, whether it's Ducks Unlimited or any, any conservation group, any state agency, if we cannot work on private lands, we cannot achieve our conservation mission. When the farm and ranch gates close to us, that takes away a lot of opportunities to support the things that we care about the most.
1: What would you add, Alex? Look
2: at the end of the day,
0: it's all about moving the needle (laughs) and it's not, it shouldn't be a public versus private land conservation. I mean, conversation, it should be a Mississippi land conversation.
1: I think about, as you guys know, I have a place up in the Delta and at least a few thousand acres from a, a particular farmer and we have some land in Miller city, some between Greenwood and Black Blackhall about to lead to some more over in Shula. And um, I look at the relationship that I have with my farmer and the work that we do together that, to not only focus on the habitat for, for deer and ducks, but I, I think about the work that we do and I mean the, the, the incredible investment we we make and making sure that it's the best it could be when you look at the accumulation of those efforts man that makes a huge difference across this state doesn't it
2: it really does and we talk about farmers feeding the world they're also providing a lot of wildlife habitat a lot of fish habitat they're also uh gonna make cleaner water for for the rest of us they're storing carbon on their forests if you're a forest landowner these folks who live in our communities and go to church with us, they go to school with us, they coach baseball and football with us. We all know them well and they're providing public benefits on the land that they are that they are uh, you know privileged to own and take care of. So what conservation does on private lands benefits us all?
1: We're going to come back with Alex Littlejohn from the Nature Conservancy and Ed Penny from Ducks Unlimited to continue our conversation about this new bill, this trust fund for conservation that's in front of the legislature as we speak and why it's important to the state. We'll see See you after this break.
0: safe and sound from the Coastal Mississippi studios. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk 103.1. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coastview. We're focused on conservation in Mississippi. Our enjoyment of the outdoors. You know, you don't have to tell many coastal Mississippians what it's like to enjoy the outdoors. We we're blessed here to have some of the most incredible natural resources in the world right here in coastal Mississippi. It's incredible. And I have Alex Littlejohn from the Nature Conservancy and Ed Penny from Ducks Unlimited, and we're just having a conversation about this new trust fund that's literally going through the process in the legislature as we speak. Hey, I want to get to the latest on the bill, but before we finish this, I just want to make sure that we're making this point. Um, this whole notion of including private lands. Um, if, if you don't include private lands, about 90% of land is taken out of the, out of the conversation for the state of Mississippi. And when you think about clean water, Clean water doesn't know property lines. When you think about creating great habitat for for wildlife, they don't know property lines. Um, When you think about the economic engine that outdoors creates, um, which is billions of dollars. And you think about when farmers and outdoorsmen work together to increase and improve the habitat like we were just talking about. Amazing things can happen. And we cannot do this job a right, this sort of generational job, if we don't have a trust fund that enables all land to be in play. <clears throat> so I wanna I just want to make sure we're not we're not losing this point. Of course James Cummings gonna be on from Wildlife Mississippi next week and we're gonna talk more about that. But I I I can't overemphasize that, can I guys?
2: You really can. I mean we talk about public benefits and oftentimes public access is is talked about too much when we're talking about public benefits, but if we're talking about clean air, clean water, uh, fish and wildlife habitat, these things are benefits that the public enjoys uh, from private lands conservation. We would not have them uh, without the hard work that private landowners, our farmers, our ranchers do in our communities and for our outdoors
1: and you think about the comp- competition if you just think about outdoors competition we're in competition with Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee and whoever uh in order for Mississippi to to really grow to become sort of the number one outdoors state in the nation we've got to be competitive with them we've got to take conservation efforts very seriously and currently without this fund we're missing out on literally billions of dollars like for like for example if you just t- take the farm bill for example how much money is in the Farm Bill for Conservation?
2: $6 billion a year. Uh, So the 2018 Farm Bill, that's the conservation title of things like Conservation Reserve Program, Environmental Quality Incentives Program, Wetland Reserve Program, lots of acronyms there, but those dollars are available for private landowners and without some sort of matching dollars available at the state level in the state of Mississippi, $6 billion will not be available to us.
1: That's a really important point. Uh, But the more important point, ultimately, certainly there's money we will miss out on. But the bigger point is that to take a conservation effort seriously in the state of Mississippi, it has to involve potentially all land in Mississippi. That's the point that we're trying to make here. Okay, so let's shift gears. The bill made it out of the Senate. It was triple referred, as I referred to earlier. Which should have been the kiss of death It's usually the kiss of death. It didn't make it out. So, Alex, why don't you tell us what, what changed in the bill? Well,
0: There's a fairly significant changes made to the bill to the bill versus what was in the original text that passed overwhelmingly out of the House on 117 to two vote. What we now have seen out of the Senate is they struck the diverging component of the sales tax that was diverting up to 15 million a year. And they move that to a more to an appropriation. Essentially, we have no money because there's no money mentioned in there. So no planning can really so so no long term look can be applied with no money. They struck private lands from being in the bill, which eighty to ninety percent of Mississippi now can't we can't pursue conservation benefits or efforts on eighty to ninety percent of Mississippi now because that's how much of Mississippi is privately held. And then they also struck or changed the component on the board. The board would make recommendations recommendations to the legislature to then approve or disapprove. So essentially, they have set up which is very similar to the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund that the legislature oversees right now.
1: And for those who listen to the show on a regular basis, you've heard me refer to the BP money process as a disaster. Uh, and the reason why is you have this entity that's doing the scoring of these projects, putting a lot of effort into making sure that the projects that BP money is going to fund are the kind of projects that are going to create generational payback. You know, not one-time. You know, a f- physical. You know, we're going to spend this money on building a building. and There's not going to be any payback from that. What they are v- really focused on is scoring them in a way that they have that they can stand the test of time and be a return on the investment. But unfortunately, the way the bill was rat- written. They can only make recommendations back to the legislature. So once they make their recommendations, then everyone who has projects got to go to Jackson and lobby all their respective people. And the money as it, as we've seen it so far has been distributed some to the projects that have been recommended, but to a lot of project building municipal buildings and things like this that don't will not stand the test of time and will not give us the kind of payback we need. It is a laborious Cumbersome project, and it should have never been written that way. And unfortunately, now what we're talking about doing with this conservation fund is setting up a very similar process. That's 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 disappointing. But again, we've got to build a look at. We've got to build a debate, and that's a step in the right direction. Uh, the notion around diversion is really important as well, because the whole point about diverting up to fifteen million dollars for for out goods, you know, the, 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 for for taxes related to outdoor spending. It would, be, it would be money that would be distributed into this trust fund, and we wouldn't have to go back every year for an allocation. So the, the fact that this bill has no money in it and is going to be looking at an appropriation that may or may not happen is not a step in the right direction in terms of us being able to have a solid amount of money in the trust fund that could then be used as matching funds to get the federal funds. So it's, you know, it's not what we wanted to see, but at least it made it out of committee. Uh, Ed, what would you add to the conversation as it relates to the changes that were made?
2: Yeah, so I think most importantly, it showed, you know, action in the Senate yesterday. We got it through three committees, which is moving a mountain. Uh, that shows that that the Senate is interested in this. They're They're showing support for this concept of additional conservation funding. What we've got to do is get it right and make sure that A dedicated sustainable funding source is available. Uh, You know, there's a very close tie historically from anglers and hunters and paying their own way to protect the things that they love and cherish. What What this would do if we were able to keep a dedicated funding source from these sporting goods sales tax with outdoor equipment sales tax, that would continue that commitment what we've got to do in mississippi is show that we are committed that our that our outdoors people that all mississippians really are dedicated and love mississippi's outdoors
1: i think you know if again i'm just adding to the conversation because i've become really really passionate about this conversation but it seems to me that the board Needs to be, you know, as it was previously written, there were ex officio members from the various departments that have any involvement in conservation efforts in the state of Mississippi. And then there were other selected board members. To, to me, it seems that the process that they would go through to select these projects would have to be extraordinarily well defined. They would have to have to really sort of pass the test of light. In other words, incredibly transparent so that people could see what was happening. That the members of the of the board would be really upstanding, you know, leaders who are incredibly successful in their own right, who have years of experience of serving public entities through volunteerism or however the that's going to be set up, so that so that we wouldn't have the risk of being some, you know, of, of having the, you know some underhanded stuff go on. And I know that there there was some concern about that, but you, you the way you fix that is you make sure that the the, the composition of the board and the process they go through is incredibly transparent. Uh, that's completely doable, right? I mean, other states have done this. This is not a new concept. What, what do you think about that, Alex?
0: Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head and it's those appointments are made or would be made by the Lieutenant governor and the governor. And I am very confident we can find these individuals. And as the original house text states that those individuals need to have either a background in finance, real estate, natural resources, conservation, or some concept there that they understand what these projects do and what they don't do. So that they can make credible decisions. They've got the backdrop of the state agency heads that are non voting but can provide input there. And look, we I would think Ed would echo this and others on the in our coalition. That we feel we can get this right and Mississippi can get this right we've seen other states be able to do it and I'm very confident we would be able to do the same
1: I think we we have to you know failure in this case is not an option when you think about the competitive position Mississippi finds itself in right now as it relates to all this money and what could we do 70 or uh, 80 million dollars spent every single year on conservation would be incredible Anyway, guys, we're going to continue this conversation. I'll have you back in the next couple of weeks. Of course, I'll have James Cummings on on Monday. We'll talk about the private land part of this. But Alex Littlejohn from the Nature Conservancy and Ed Penny from Ducks Unlimited, thanks for taking some time to visit with me today.
0: Coast View on Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota.